Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are here at the NIDA convention and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And we're with our new friend, Amy Combs. Amy is the Director of Development at Station WKYU in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We're sure. just finding people from all over the place. We got two, we got two Yankees here and a, and a Southern girl who's got, a, who's got her accent. So Amy has, um, as all of our guests do, have a story to tell uh, about one of, uh, well, not one of, you've had a lot of sucker punches that have- She's an overachiever. Yeah, she, she's an overachiever in sucker punches. And Amy's going to share with us her uh, her ability to clearly find her resilience over and over again and find her brilliance through, in, through that. So yeah. Amy, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about your story and we'll jump in. Well, um, just to jump right in, if you just want to dive on in, um, I guess we can just start on um, April, not April, on August 4th of 2017. I was on a work trip. I work at Western Kentucky University and um, and I work in the development office. So which basically means at that time uh, I traveled around and talked to alums about donating money. And so about uh, about their philanthropy. And I was in North Carolina and um, and so I'm uh, I have one sibling and his name is Adam and he, I'm nine years older than my brother. But my brother is larger than life. I mean, I'm talking like uh, he's married, had two little boys and uh, everybody's best friend. I mean, when my brother walked into a room, everybody knew it. Hmm. Um, he was always like like one of the things that all of his buddies talked about was like he was known for going through the drive-thru at Taco Bell and ordering one of everything on the menu like like he literally did that it's like I mean he was just a, a comedian just hilarious like I mean just a funny guy and so just a larger than life guy and uh, so I was in North Carolina and I um got a uh, I'd, I'd gone in to meet with someone and I always left my phone typically in the car because just didn't want to you know have that distraction so I'd gone in to meet with someone and they were running late and so I was sitting in the lobby and I thought I'm gonna go out and get my phone you know how we all are we're all just kind of connected that way whether that's good or bad and I um, went out there and I got and I got a text from my brother that said uh basically basically it said i can't do it anymore um take care of the boys um without without my family i can't do anything take care of mom and dad and um i love you and i i mean i i could not have been more shocked i could not have been more taken aback mm -hmm. and i immediately called him of course he didn't answer and i so i just started texting and calling and texting and calling and um and I called his wife and I, called, I just started calling everybody I could think of. 
and uh, to no avail. And um, and then one of his best friends called me and said that he uh, had contacted him and said that he was uh, not in a good space and that then that this was the end and that he was not going to be able to make it anymore. And so um, there was just that day was just, as you can imagine, was just all over the place. And so, uh, and so I now was in North Carolina and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm at this work event. You know, I'm at, I'm at this guy's um, office and I'm like, I've got to get home. I've got, there's all these things. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking about my parents and I'm thinking about what I need to do. I'm thinking about his boys mm-hmm. and, um, and I'm thinking about just a million different things. Sure. And so, um, and so I um, called my dad and because I couldn't get a hold of my mom at first, I called my dad, my dad answered and I told him what was going on. And my dad was, and I, and I, cause I didn't know, I said, this is what I know. And so I got, got off the phone with my dad and I called my, my mom answered the phone. She's crying. Just, she's just bawling. And she's like, um, we can't find him. Nobody knows where he is. We're trying to find him. So one of his best friends called me and he said, we have um, called the phone company to try to find his cell phone, try to ping his cell phone. So we're going kind of back and forth with the cell phone company. In the meantime, I run into the, to the office and I'm like, I need to go. I got to leave. And so I just head to the airport. And so I go to the airport and, uh, and as I'm getting to the airport, um, I get a, I get a call and I pull off to the side of the road and, um, and because I got a call from his best friend that um, said I found him and um, and he we have a farm. We grew up on a farm mm-hmm. in um, South Central Kentucky and my brother had gone to this farm and he had shot himself. Oh. And so his uh, one of his best friends found him and his best friend called me. And and so I was the first person that he called and. So I got that call. That's why I pulled over on the side of the road. Um, I then called my mom. My mom called, or my mom was just, you know, obviously overcome. She was at the, she was at the house. Uh, so my mom had had some conversations with him as well. But, um, and so then I just went straight to the airport and I was, I just started running around the airport. Like, oh, I can't I, imagine I get on a plane. Yeah. And so I started running around the airport and I was just like, I've got to get, because at that time I didn't know my car was in Nashville, Tennessee, but I heard that they were life flighting him to um, Louisville, Kentucky. And so I started running around the airport and I was like, I just need to get to Nashville or Louisville, Nashville or Louisville. And uh, Southwest didn't have any flights. And oh, I mean, of all the pl- I was in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was like, they were like, we, we don't have any flights at this time of day. It was like 2.30 in the afternoon or something. And, um, and I'm literally like running up to every, and I'm calling, I have a, I'm blessed with a, what I, what we sometimes call the wolf pack of girls. And <laughs> I have like these five, they're five wonderful women mm-hmm. in my life. And more than that, I'm blessed with a, with, a, with some wonderful friends, but, um, and I called them because they are movers and shakers uh-huh. and they get, 
They well, if I wasn't, uh, if I didn't know who was on the other side of this beautiful, really pretty microphone, I might say four letter, four letter words. They but get stuff they done. They get stuff done. <laughs> and I called them, and I was like, I have to get home. And I told them what was going on. And so, um, and so they were just, they were online. They were calling people. I was just run. I was literally running around the Raleigh airport. And uh, and so at some point, one of them. And it's, and it just kind of came over me. I was like, I was like, did he really do this? Like if he has just like shot himself in the foot or something and, <laughs> and this is just not really happening, I'm going to be really pissed off at him, <laughs> you know, like this is really happening. And, uh, and about that time, my, my good friend, one of the, one of the wolf packs, she, she sent me a text and she said, you are getting on this Delta flight that is going to Louisville, Kentucky. At this time, like within the next hour, we've booked it. The girls have, we've all chipped in because it was not a cheap flight. It was sure. well over a thousand dollars. And they were like, we've bought it. We'll figure out how we're going to pay for it later. But we bought it. You're getting on it right now. And, and I, I had like, that was a wonderful thing for them to do because I was just kind of like, I don't know what, I just know I need to get somewhere. Yeah. My car was in Nashville, but, but they were life flighting him to Louisville. So um, so I get on and it was going through, uh, Atlanta. And so I got to, um, so I'm waiting in the, so I'm waiting in the Raleigh airport as I'm waiting in the Raleigh airport, my dad calls me. So this takes place over like an hour or so. My dad calls me and, um, probably a couple hours. And he's by that time, things, a lot of things have happened over this, over this time. They've, they've lifelighted him to Louisville and it's evident that he's not going to make it. And, uh, my dad calls me and it was probably the only time that I've, it is the only time that I ever heard my dad cry. And my dad called and he said, um, he's not going to make it, but we're going to keep him alive until you can get here. And so, um, so, um, so, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big realization that, that kind of happens. So, um, so I get on the plane and, um, we fly or I fly to uh, Atlanta. And once I get to Atlanta, there was a wonderful man on the flight from Raleigh to Atlanta and I'm just kind of in shock and he's, and, you know, asks what's wrong with you? Cause I look a little crazy and I tell him. And he's like, do you know the Atlanta airport? And I said, no. And he said, it is massive. massive. Yes, yes, it is massive. And I said, okay. And he said, what term? You know, he asked me where I was going and, and stuff. And, and he said, I'm going to take you to your gate. And I said, okay. And he did. And um, and then as and my friends had bought me a first class ticket because that was the only thing available, which was fantastic because they serve you drinks as soon as you get on the plane in first class. <laughs> and you needed a drink. And that was nice. Yeah. And so, um, and so in Atlanta, I got switched over. So by the time I got to Louisville, it was like 11 o'clock at night. Well, in Louisville, Kentucky, my roommate in college, she uh, lives in West Virginia, but she was visiting her parents in Louisville. And then we also have some friends that are in the um, police department and the fire department in Louisville. And uh, anyway, so 
they all met me at the Louisville airport. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and so we got to ride or I got to ride with them to the hospital with lights flashing. Oh, going so on. we were like going through traffic and all the things. So when I got in their in the, in the fire department car, I said, what am I facing when I get to the hospital? Mm. And my roommate said, well, there's about 40 people at the hospital. Nobody knows what's going on because your mom has been back there with your brother. She won't come out and everybody's just standing around there. And, and it's, it's very, as you can imagine, it's crazy. It's nobody knows what's going on. And I said, and I'm still in my work clothes. I still have on like a business suit mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, so, cause I'm just kind of like, somebody's got to keep it together. Right. So I'm like, okay. So, and literally it was very much like I got off the elevator, the doors opened and, and like 80 eyes are just looking oh. at me like, okay, Amy, what are you going to do? You know? And so I was just like, okay, I need to go back there, you know? And so I go back there and, um, and my mom is just as just, she's not good. And, uh, and I looked at her and I was like, I need you to get out. And she was like, I'm not leaving him. I'm like, no, 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 you're getting out. And so I pulled her out of there and he and I had a last conversation and I, I mean, he didn't talk. I just had a conversation with him. I just told him all the things I needed to tell him about like how upset I was about the things that he did that day. <laughs> and, um, and so I just said the, I basically, I said my piece, I guess you could say. And, um, and so, I mean, and his wife was there and her family and that sort of thing, but I just kicked everybody out of his room and had your and had my moment and um and so um and i mean and and as you can imagine somebody who shot themselves does not look like themselves sure. as you can imagine so but so once i did that then i can and so and i talked to the doctor for a minute and my mom and my and his wife were not they just were not physically capable of kind of handling things sure. and that waiting room full of people. yeah and so I came out into the waiting room and after I talked to the doctor about what could and couldn't happen um I just looked at everybody and I said here's the deal he's not gonna he's not gonna survive if you feel like you need to see him before he passes you can go back there you know we can make that happen um it's gonna be because he still had brain activity so you have to wait until brain activity is stopped before you can harvest any organs or anything like that. Uh, but we didn't know how long that was going to be. So that could have been that could have been up to two days. We just didn't we just didn't know. So uh, so I told the people that were there, you can stay, you can go. You know this is inevitable. But if you need to see him, you can. Um, it's completely up to whatever anybody wanted to do. So about half of the people left um, and the rest of the people were like friends of my mom mm -hmm. that wanted to stay with her uh -huh, or right. friends of mm -hmm. um, his wife, you know, and, uh, and so, and right after uh, about an hour after midnight, um, he passed. So he didn't, he didn't linger too long, mm -hmm. um, which was kind of, which was a good thing, I think. And, um, and so that was kind of, that was the, like the horrific day. And, you know, in, in his, um, we all, 
in our family, we always say, you know, he kind of did things in a grand way always. So it mm. took him two days to die. You know, it can just <laughs> die in one day. It took him fourth and fifth. So he officially died on August 5th, uh, 2017. But it was nothing that, and I've asked, you know, sometimes I think people are like, well, you know, when you think back about people that commit suicide or, they, you know, sometimes people say they complete suicide. There's all this terminology right. that you just don't know mm -hmm. or the right things to say or whatever. But, um, and we just never saw it coming at all. No. Like in our family, it was just completely out of the blue. It was not anything. I mean, there were, he and it, there was, there was a rocky road. He and his wife had some issues, you know, they were not necessarily, you know, but everybody had but issues. But nothing to that extreme. Yeah. Nobody's, that extreme. you know. So, so this experience obviously is, is horrific. Um, how have you, and how many, it's been since 2017? Mm -hmm. It's five years ago. How have you integrated this into your life mm -hmm. in a way that allows you to go forward? Mm -hmm. Because I can't imagine how you, you pass that. Mm -hmm. How do you put that into a place mm -hmm. that you can continue to function and think of him in a way that you appreciate him mm -hmm. as opposed to being angry with him? Which well, you were. It's, it's, it's hard because I think at first I read something very soon after he passed that said it's hard because when usually when someone dies you can blame something or somebody yes you can blame the you can blame the disease when it's cancer mm -hmm. or it's leukemia or it's something you can blame the, the person when a person's in a car wreck or you can you can blame somebody when someone completes suicide um the the person is the murderer and the per so you, right, you, blame right. the, you blame that person right. but it's also yeah, you love it's you love that person you know yeah. and so it's so it's difficult that way and and you do at first you're so mad at that person so you want to blame somebody else you want to blame the person that maybe they were having an argument with you want to blame the the environment you want to blame anybody else yeah. except that person but in the for for me in the end it's it's it's, you know, he was dealing with something that obviously he wasn't telling the rest of us. And we all thought we knew him so well. We all, when I say we, I'm talking about my family and his, and his close friends. We all thought we were just, we knew him intimately. Mm -hmm. But he was obviously dealing with some demons that, that we didn't know about and that he didn't feel comfortable sharing sharing with mm -hmm. with any of us or or and, and he was seeing a professional he was mm -hmm. seeing a psychologist um i know that how did you guys handle that being so close with him that there were that he couldn't share mm -hmm. with you guys mm -hmm. it was it was difficult and it still is difficult um and he just like to protect you i think he i think he did i think there were he uh was a businessman and he had lots of business ventures uh, so I think there were some, I think with the, the more stuff that I've read, I, so I started reading a lot about suicide and it affects men, it affects both men and women, of course, but it does affect men and in, in business a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that weighed heavily on him. Um, and so I think that we are more cognizant. I think that he has two young boys he, his boys were five and eight uh, oh when he passed. 
And uh, so I think that is, has been, it's, it's horrible when you think about it, but they have been really a light in our family because they, one of them, one of them looks very much like him, but acts like his mother. And the other one looks like his mother, but acts just like him. (laughs) So we've kind of got got the best of both worlds, I think. And, um, and I think, and his, his, uh, their mom has been very good about allowing us to be in their lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so we've, um, that's been, that's been a good thing, but that's also been a process, you know, because, mm-hmm. um, cause it's difficult, every, but it's an every, it's an every day Thing. That's one of the things that we talk about in this whole brilliantly resilient world is that everything is a process. Mm-hmm. You you don't almost don't ever arrive. You get close mm-hmm. to arriving, but then you go back and mm-hmm. then you go forward and then you go back. So to hear that even something this profound mm-hmm. is a process is I think that a lesson that everybody can take from this, that mm-hmm. virtually everything in life is a process mm-hmm. and you have to give yourself the grace to experience. That. Yeah, I think grace is that's a that's a beautiful word is because you you do and not everybody's going to handle it the exact same way and so you know you can't you can't look at everybody's experience and say well they're going to go through this this way because my experience isn't going to be the same as your experience or your experience right and you can't you've just got to allow that person to go through things the way that they're going to go through and something that that triggers somebody might not be my trigger you know I mean Mm -hmm. and so somebody might grieve a year from now you know the grieving process is weird for everybody so not everybody grieves the same way I want to ask you about the word triggers Mm -hmm. because I have things in my life that I mean my son that, that my oldest blind son that is extremely successful and I barely think about blindness with him anymore Mm -hmm. there are triggers for me that I just Mm -hmm. I go right back to diagnosis day mm-hmm. so so you're saying mm-hmm. that you get triggered too mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you get your mind out mm-hmm. of the day you got that news and mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. feeling? yeah I think it's conscious I think you conscious or I have to consciously do it like I'll, I will I will like even I will even like think about Raleigh North Carolina or that airport or whatever like I've had to I've gone to Raleigh airport before you know since then right. and it's like consciously be, being like okay I'm gonna physically in my head put that in a different space or um you know my my mother actually ended up moving like she lived in our family home that we grew up in but it was too much for her and so she moved um and sold her and sold the house which was fine like she needed to do that you know it was just too many memories but and and that's okay um but but for for me, it's, it's, I have to just consciously, like, it's, it's just, I just have to consciously be like, this was a, this was a specific thing that I'm just going to consciously say this happened. And now I'm going to set this aside. Wow. It's, I appreciate that you say that because I'll tell you what, when I get in my moments of not giving myself the grace, I get frustrated mm-hmm. that I got triggered again. Mm-hmm. And not even just with blindness, with other things, my divorce and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I guess my problem is that I feel like by now, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm six mm-hmm. years with this mm-hmm. divorce. By now, I should be able to just ship that trigger yeah. right out. And 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 you're saying it, you, even after all this time, you have to take that conscious mm-hmm. that that action step in the brilliant resilient process. It's an action mm-hmm. to deal with that trigger, as opposed to 
me that says, why are you still going there? I don't think you can blame. I don't think you can blame yourself because you, it's not, you can't help it. Like you just, you just can't help it. I can't help it that I, that I'm still upset with him. I can't help it that, that I still grieve him. I can't help it. Like there's so many things that I just can't help, but I can just say, you know what? It's, it's not Raleigh airport's fault, you know, <laughs> that, that that happened there, but, but I can just say, this just happened there. I have this feeling there, but I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to set this aside. I'm not saying that maybe I shouldn't. Well, it's that awareness and that recognition mm -hmm. yeah, I think and that, that intentionality of, of knowing, mm -hmm. you're knowing yourself, mm -hmm. knowing what those circumstances were and knowing the difference between that emotional mm -hmm. thing and that logical thing. But again, mm -hmm. so that idea of it being a process. And I don't think you can get mad at it. Like no. you can't get, you can't get mad. I mean, I've, I've, I went through a really horrible divorce as well. Oh. And that's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, you got that right. Yeah. 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 We, woo, we can go, we can go all kinds of places there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it just happened. You can't, you have to get to a point where I think you can't blame yourself. You can't blame others. You can't, you just do have to give yourself grace. And you're yeah, just like, yeah. that just is the way it, the way it is. The, the, the other, the other part of, of that is that my, my, my best, my best friend, her brother committed suicide 10 days later after oh, my brother. No. So, oh my so it was, and you would think that that would, and so that was a whole other like I, at the day of my brother's funeral, she literally sent a text to her brother and said, cause he had been dealing with some things. And she said, did you see the, the horrible thing and pain that this family's going through? You're not going to do anything like this, are you? And he said, no, no, I would never do that. And cause we buried my brother seven days after he uh, died. And then three days later he did that. So it's, so it was just so it's, it, so it's so, prevalent and sometimes when people have that in their in their mind that that you just can't and you can't blame yourself you know for right. a long time my friend she just blamed herself she's like why didn't I why didn't I go to his house why didn't I do this why didn't I do that and for me and other people may think of things differently but for me I was just you just can't, you can't go there. No, you you have to release yourself from you that. Can't. You can't. And recognize that there's other people that are going to make decisions that, you, you know, and there are things that, that we all could, there's all kinds of things I could have done. I could have worn a different dress today, but I chose this. Right. One, you right, know, right. I mean, like, yeah, there's just things that you can and can't do. Right. And I can't go back in time. And so, you know, there's, I would, I would do anything in the world if he was here now, but he's not. So, I just have to move forward. You have to move forward. And, you know, you can't allow yourself to be triggered by that. I mean, you're triggered, but you can't allow yourself to, to get, get mired down in it because yeah. you just have to say, okay, this is, this is just where this is. And I'm going to allow myself that grace and I'm going to be, I'm going to be ha not happy, but I'm going to be proud of myself that I've, that I've overcome that. Yeah. And, um, at least I'm here and I'm here that I've, that I've achieved these certain things. You all have a successful podcast. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I've always thought it'd be cool to have a podcast. I mean, and look at you all. This is amazing. And so like, like, 
I'd say another four letter word to your ex-husband probably right now. <laughs> so, um, a lot of people but, like to say those four letter words yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but, you know, I mean, I think you just have to say like, there's, there's, there's just those times when I, and I look back at pictures of my brother, you know, and, and, you know, today he would have been 38 today. And I'm like, he's missing out on so much. And that's his fault. Like, yeah. Sometimes I think about it, and you know, there's a my there's a lot of people that are just like, oh, I don't want to blame him for anything, and oh gosh, you know. But part of me is like, he pulled that trigger. I didn't pull that trigger. Yeah. I didn't do that. He chose so to do that. So you can't pay the price for that for your whole life. I can't. Right. I can't. And and I, you know, I he was dealing with things, and we did the we did all we could do, but. In the end, he's the one that made that decision to do that. And I can't blame myself for that. I can't blame anyone else for that. I just have to move forward with the things that I can control because I can't, con I can't control that. And so those, that's just kind of what I have to, that's the space I have to put myself in because if, if you, because you can get. You can get way yeah, dark in there. some of these, in, the, yeah, in those spaces. And stay in that space. And, um, and that's great advice for somebody that is trying to, as we say, reset, you know, get out of that pit and all of that worry and upsetment and blame and all that. It's what can you control? Yeah. Because yeah, you can't, you can't control that. But on the, and on the flip side, if, you know, if you, there's always help and there's always somebody that, that's there for you there's never there's never a reason to do that there is right. never a reason to go down that path i don't care what you think is gonna it's never gonna solve anything right because it is only gonna hurt every single person around you it's gonna only destroy the people around you and your family and um and so it's only gonna make everything harder for everybody around you and so it's a very it's, it's a very selfish thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I don't wish that on anybody at all, but the people that do survive, um, I think that they just got to really realize that, that you are resilient and you, you can you move can forward, that. you can move forward and that you just got to know that you can't blame yourself. You can't, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't, you just can't do that. I have to keep you know, I know that we're, we're past time, but I do have this one quick question. I know that there's a ton, maybe not a ton, but there are resources that are, are, you know, especially today on an awareness mm -hmm. day available for suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. Are there resources for the families that are left behind after suicide? You know, I'm, I'm sure there are. Um, I haven't found them to be very uh, prevalent. Mm -hmm. Um, and and we have sought them a, a bit. Uh, I I think that there's a push to uh, make them a little more readily available, mm -hmm. um, but it's not. But that we're not there yet. Okay. I think as a I think as a society, to handle. Yeah, I think as a society that I think we want there to be. I think we want to have mental awareness but i don't think that we are um 
it's not it's not readily available yet there's and more work to be done there's a lot more work to be done absolutely amy yeah. thank you so much for joining us and sharing this story i know yeah. i can't even imagine how difficult this has been for you and um we're privileged to to hear this so thank you so well much. thank you thank you for allowing me to share it i appreciate that and i know i know that whether whether people that are listening are dealing with suicide or mental health there's something that people are dealing with that they're going to find because i found so many gems in you sharing your story that i'm even just this whole letting go of the guilt of being triggered you know and there's so much in there that you helped all of our listeners so we appreciate you so much well thank you for saying that i appreciate it thank you amy all right and we're going to wrap up this episode because somebody is rolling something very something squeaky, squeaky behind us something squeaky <laughs> might need some wd-40 yeah something squeaky and we'll see you all next time bye Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.